Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Dude, it's been a minute. How are you, buddy? Good to see you. Doing well. It's great to see you. I, you know, you've flown solo on a few missions and some really spectacular episodes. Uh, Nemo, of course, and, and most recently, uh, Jason Heaton. Um, had fun listening. I was like a civilian just sort of on the sidelines. Yeah, both of those were great episodes. I um, I hope I didn't sound too much like I was fangirling too heavy with Nemo. Um, he's somebody that I've known from the fora for literally for decades, going back to like 2009. I couldn't hear and, the heavy breathing through your mic, so I think you're okay. Yeah, well, I mean, and luckily nobody can see the, you know, the video, all the uh, kind of the shirtless antics and whatever. But um, yeah, no, that was a great episode. I'm glad we were finally able to get that done. And of course, uh, very timely and fun to be able to talk to Jason again. I'm sorry you were not able to join that, but that was, it was cool and a very tight focused discussion on the new book. Yeah, no, that was, that was great. Uh, I'm, I'm already on Sweetwater and uh, hopefully, you know, for round three, when we get Jason back, uh, we'll, we'll have the whole crew up together again but uh you know we have another couple of fun episodes already lined up so i think there's more fun on the horizon yeah absolutely well i think this is uh fixing to be a pretty fun episode too but before we dive into that i think you have a uh kind of i don't know if it's an update is that the right word but you know something kind of cool news yeah some holiday cheer right the the good people over at forstner you and i have been on record of really enjoying the bracelets they make um really high quality, you know, OEM fashion adjacent stuff. Um, and they were so kind as to send out a, uh, a gift card for our listeners. And so we're going to run a giveaway on the Instagram page. So make sure you check out the spirit of time podcast on Instagram and check out the details to pick up, um, $150 Forstner gift card, which is pretty rad. That'll basically dial you into almost anything they have. Yeah, that is not a uh, an inconsiderable sum when it comes time to you know hit the add to cart on the Forstner website. I think that should, as you say, pretty much defray most of the cost of anything they make. And you know we're out there shopping all these holiday gifts for for everybody. Why not you know as they say treat yourself? Absolutely, I've I you know I'm big on the the Forstner aftermarket for certain things. I've voted with my dollars many times at that website. Absolutely. So yeah, check out the the Instagram page, Spirit of Time Podcast, and uh, all the details will be there. Hopefully uh, everybody gets a chance to check it out and get a chance to win. Excellent. Well, hey, dude, we have a guest, as we kind of alluded to a second ago, so we'll skip all the chit-chat about what your kids are doing and work and and weather and all that stuff um, and get right to it. We are joined today uh, live in studio. That's not really true. We, nothing is live here. <laughs> it sounded good. Are, yeah. But joining us from Colorado is RT Custer of Vortic Watches. And I guess more accurate to say of Vortic and Colorado Watch Company. Is that right? Welcome. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I'm excited to be here. We're excited. This is, uh, it, it's been some time in the making. I know, you know, you guys have been tremendously busy and then, uh, we were also lucky enough to, 
to get a few Vortic watches on hand, which I think we'll get into and, and scheduling, et cetera. So this is certainly uh, a long time, you know, come together, but uh, we're, we're excited. And, and both of us also just heard you on, on the standard H podcast with our mutual friends, uh, mutual friend, Wesley. So that was super cool. And it's glad to, I'm glad to see you being able to, to tell your story, the Vortic story and the Colorado watch company story as well. So we have a lot more to unpack here, I think. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm excited. That was a fun podcast and I love doing these things. You know, every time, every time somebody asks me a similar question, I end up saying something slightly different or going deeper into the story or sharing more details or, um, you know, a different side of the story. So, um, yeah, I don't know. In some ways this is like almost like therapy. So thanks for being that for me. Yeah. Well, we're cheaper too. (laughs) Way cheaper. (laughs) And it's all marketing. (laughs) So uh, yeah, just happy to be here. No, that is good stuff, man. Well, hey, so, why don't we do? Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, no, I was going to say we 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 stopped uh, we stopped RT earlier because we said, hold on, we have to press record. So I think he's he's basically sitting behind a whole wall of booze, and each of those, many of those bottles have a story. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into Vortic. We're going to get into Colorado Watch Company. Uh, but I think Matt, as you were going to say, probably should just get into what's on the wrist and and what's uh, uh, in the glass. Oh, for sure. Well, I tell you what, why don't we do this? Usually we start with the guest RT, but in, let's go in reverse order this time because we want to land on you to ask the story of what's going on behind you. I will start. I am actually, I've kind of got two watches. I'm cheating. I have the the Omega Seamaster 300. This is the uh, the black dial, kind of the new bond on the Forstner bullet bracelet. Great deal of taper there. I li- really like that as an alternative to the OEM bracelet. And you know how that is, man. This is just kind of a go anywhere, do anything for me for somebody who likes kind of a, a slightly blingy tool watch. That is what is on wrist. But I also have in hand the, and RT, help me out with this because I may mess up the nomenclature. I mean, I, I'm referring to it by the name on the dial, but this is one of the Illinois watches. This is a, just an absolutely beautiful Vortic piece I don't know how I would even describe this. I mean, I would say this, the whole kind of essence of this thing seems very sort of late Victorian, Edwardian, steampunky. Um, if if Panerai was Panerai 30 years before, 40 years before the war, this is like what the numerals might've looked like. It, it's just this amazing piece that is, I guess, like all Vortic pieces, is essentially a rescued, beautifully uh, executed Stop stopwatch, uh, pocket watch movement cased in one of your own cases with kind of that 12 o'clock crown. This thing is absolutely amazing. Kind of this bronze gold tone dial, blue, black numerals, blued cathedral hands, just stunning. It's an amazing Thank piece. Yeah, yeah so we call awesome. that the Springfield 48. So if, if somebody were to Google the Springfield 048, um, especially if you add 45 millimeters or add Vortic, um, that's what we call it. We name them based on the city in which they were originally made. So the Illinois watch company was in Springfield, Illinois, and that particular piece was made in 1922. So it is, uh, 101 years old this year. That's incredible. So we are going back and forth with, uh, with Lauren who, who works with RT and, uh, she was saying, Hey, take a look, let us, you know, let us know what you guys are interested in checking out and can't guarantee it's available. Cause you know, these things, there's not a lot of them and you know, these are available for folks to, to jump on the site and buy. And, uh, immediately 
a couple of them with these uh, with these carved dials, these beautiful engravings stood out, and this is one of them. And uh, man, that thing's like a masterpiece. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And you know, full disclosure, this is an active piece, and I. You know, unlike other organizations, I mean, you were kind enough to send us these to get some some on hand time, form genuine impressions, get some some pictures and stuff like that. But you know, these are actual pieces in inventory because these are all essentially, you know, what amounts to you know piece uniques. Um, and so it's not like you know there's a, a press sample that just gets sent around. So we're great, very grateful to have been able to you know get these things in hand and form actual impressions. I know it was a huge revelation for me. So. That was what was, I guess, on wrist, but I'm making the inverted commas here. Not really on wrist, but uh, in the glass, I've got something from like two years ago. I don't know if you remember our recommendation for the Trader Joe's Winter Wassail Punch. Yeah, of course. So yeah, so I've got the uh, the Winter Wassail, about two th- two measures of that to one measure of club soda, kind of thin it out. It is a, a kind of a, a thick mixture, right? Um, squeeze a fresh lime and there is just probably about an ounce and a half of Kaloa spice rum mixed into this. So just something that feels kind of holiday-ish, uh, still relatively light, although our weather is definitely turning today. I probably can go to, to something warm now, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah. That wassail punch is like a instant cocktail mixer. You know, you could do so many things with it and it's perfect for, for this time of year. I'll go next. Like you said, we're saving the best for last. Um, I'll just go with my, my port check first. Cause it's very boring. And I told, I've told both the guys this already. I'm just drinking a, a honey citrus mint tea. Uh, I tried to go to coffee bean and tea leaf. They have got this awesome thing called the medicine ball. You guys ever had that? Yeah. Yeah. I've had one. It's awesome. It's so good when you just yeah. need a little like refresher on your throat, it sort of cleans out your, your sinuses. Um, but the coffee bean was closed so I ended up with Ooh. this one from Starbucks and um, it's fine. It's doing the job, but I, I would much prefer the uh, the medicine ball. On the wrist, I also have a Vortic. I have the Lancaster for all you Pennsylvania folks, not Lancaster. It's Lancaster. You <laughs> there know, you go. You got that one. Got to know how to pronounce it. I've got the Lancaster 29, um, which is a Hamilton conversion. And this thing is great. I mean, it's a, it's on the smaller side. Actually, this is probably the smallest size smallest. watch for Vortic, right? Yeah, that's 43 millimeters, smallest one we can make. Smallest one you guys can make. Um, I would call it very like classic, you know, it's sort of like a sector dial. It's got gold markers, gold hands, sub-second, of course. Um, sort of a, a mix of like a, like a champagne, sort of a champagne dial. Um, but it, it would fit in today with anybody's um, like heritage collection. You yep. know, it's just, uh, Matt, you've seen this one, I think, but I have, you yeah. know, you, you could see that re-released in anybody's catalog today. And, uh, the point is, you know, that it's timeless. And then secondly, that this is just a beautifully, you know, done piece by Vortic. But, um, I'll tell you too, being able to look at these movements, especially that Springfield, um, both of them, but that Springfield in particular with that sort of sunburst, look at those movements. I could do it all day. They're gorgeous. They are just absolutely a treasure. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's part of part of why we do it. And yours is uh, the Lancaster 29, uh, 43 millimeter is a 1947 movement. So movement dial in hands is from a, they called it 10 size is uh, the size of that pocket watch. That was one of the smaller pocket watches we can turn into wristwatch. Um, and Hamilton was one of the, one of the few brands that made, made those. And honestly, one of the few brands that was still making pocket watches in the forties. Interesting. Did not realize it. That's very cool. Yeah. So that one is um, 
particularly rare. We don't, I think that's maybe the seventh 43 millimeter watch we've ever made. Wow. So, um, fairly, fairly, um, fairly rare. And, and like Matt was saying, they're all piece unique. So, um, we, we say one of a kind piece unique makes me feel like a asshole. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, they're, they're one of a kind. Unfortunately, people have bastardized, um, the, the term one of a kind. And so, um, you know, that, that is a, a unique piece. And, and so are all Vortec watches. Just like when you're on the watch forums and somebody's selling something, it's rare. <laughs> yeah, super rare. Yeah. Super rare. <laughs> yep. Yep. On eBay. Ridiculously rare. Yeah. Yep. Who knows? Yep. Exactly. Totally. Well, Hey, that's us. How about you? What do you have on the wrist? What's in the glass? Well, um, so I'll, I'll take it off so you guys can see, you talked about movements. Um, and I don't know how well you'll be able to see it, but, um, I'm wearing, uh, the military edition 2022 special edition. We made 15 of these. It's a white dial military pocket watch. Um, it says GCT on the, on the face. Um, GCT was Greenwich civil time. So, um, this one is an Elgin though. Most of the military watches we make, um, in the military edition are Hamilton movements. This Ooh, one's a look at that. Oh and my it's God. gold flashed. Wow. Um, so we made, technically we made 16 of these. We sold 15 and I have the first one, um, serial number zero, um, which was like our prototype that we used to, you know, send all the, the marketing and everything like that. Um, these were, this was the most expensive watch we'd sold to date. So back, this was roughly a year ago, we priced it at $12,000 and we made 15 of them and they sold out in seven minutes. So uh, I was just like, well, I don't, did we not charge enough? Did we like, what are we doing right slash wrong here? But um, one of my favorites that we've ever made, again, we call it the military edition. Basically the pocket watch inside was flown on a B bomber in World War II, like a B-17 or B-29. Um, this was one of the watches that won the war. So that's on the wrist today. And then, um, in the hand, like you said, I, I have our, our four, um, Colorado watch company prototypes sitting here. So I got two GCT watches and two field watches, uh, sitting here on my desk figure. And we might talk about those. So always nice to be able to hold things while you talk about them. And then, um, in the glass, I actually have, I have four different, cups on my desk right now. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have a, I have a Starbucks myself from earlier today. Um, I got a glass of water and then I also have a, um, um, a, a hot toddy of sorts. I, I poured a little topper of old elk on top of my, my hot tea. Um, it's, it's kind of cold in my office. So I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna warm up right now. Does anybody else, I, I feel, I sense this a hesitation a little bit in your voice. It doesn't it also feel weird to call it a hot toddy, <laughs> like out loud. When, <laughs> like it, there's it's nothing else to call word. it. Yeah. Yeah. It Isn't is it? weird. Yep. Yeah. I feel that. And it, it's weird when you order them. I, I've, I've ordered them a few times, especially like we, we have the old elk, um, tasting room, like 50 yards that way, you know, from oh, wow. us. Um, so we're, we're quite blessed here in Fort Collins, Colorado with like 30 some breweries and several distilleries, um, this is just amazing, but, um, old elk, you can go and like taste all their kind of stuff. And especially when you're like sitting in the tasting room and then you order a mix, you're like, Oh, like, who is this guy? Yeah. 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 You're like, but, <laughs> but I need so it in a different format, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And their, their hot toddy is one of the best I've ever had. So, um, here we are. And so that led us to ask about the wall behind you, which is stacked with booze. 
And yeah. we started to get into that many of them have stories and we stopped you because we had to revisit that. So tell us a little bit about what's behind you and maybe, you know, like I think you were starting to pull out some of the most important bottles to you and what stories they might have. Totally. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is my, like my, my zoom background, my, not my virtual zoom background. This is all, this is all real. But when we, when we built this building, um, there's a bunch of this really cool wood, um, you know, just kind of hanging out in a corner and, um, it, it looked really awesome and we didn't have a place to, to put it and it almost fit on my wall here. You can kind of maybe see the bottom of it, but I was like, man, I can build a really cool zoom background out of this. And then my, my dad sent me this, this is actually a wine, wine rack. Like it's, it's one of those wine racks that like, it's like a, like a, I don't know, like an A shape and it sits on the floor typically and there's a chain between them. And and so I took it apart and put both halves of them just on either side of the wall here. I don't have any wine in it, um, but it just kind of like frames the space. Um, and then we built some shelves back behind me and I had a small liquor bottle collection um, to start. And I've just kind of found other fun things to put up there. I have some of my favorite books and um, just some other like interesting stuff like right here. It's probably hard to see cause it's kind of small, but that's a little bomb that has an F on it. So that's my <laughs> F bomb. Um, and I, you know, it's all like conversation pieces, but the one that started it all is, is this one right up here at the corner. That's a spring bank 21. So that's a spring bank scotch spring bank is one of the only, um, independent distilleries left in Scotland. Um, as you guys probably know, like most of those distilleries are owned by one of the huge conglomerates. That one's not. Um, it's in Campbelltown, Scotland, which is a little town, really hard to get to. And it has my favorite golf course on it, um, Macrahenish Golf Course. Um, and it has the most beautiful opening hole in golf where on hole number one, you hit your opening drive over the ocean. Um, and you have to hit it at least 200 in the air. Otherwise, you're on the beach. Um, and first time I played, I was on the beach and it was awesome. <laughs> That's super so cool. Fun. So intimidating, um, but so cool. Exactly. Yeah. Super intimidating for like your first shot. Everybody's watching. It's just gorgeous. You know, it's just perfect. Um, anyway, in that town is, is Springbank. I was there when I turned 21 with my dad. And so I bought a bottle of, of scotch that was exactly as old as I was at that time. And I'm probably never going to open that. And it's just going to sit there, and, you know, age with me. Um, and, and that's, so that's what started it all. And so like a few times when I've left the country and gone somewhere cool, I bring back like tequila from Mexico, scotch from Scotland, whiskey from, from Ireland, um, a couple other things. And, um, and then I, about two years ago, I got really into sake and, um, and so I just have some really cool sakis, um, that I just thought the bottles were cool. The one that's right above my head is called the one with the clocks, um, which obviously I saw that on a menu and I was like, yep. <laughs> I yeah, gotta try that one and it ended up being one of the best ones I've ever had so I was like yep yeah, okay cool that's my favorite sake now the one with the clocks so boom yeah signature sake done check that box check check exactly so wait where did you go in Ireland um well I did some touristy stuff uh, with my dad on that trip too we um we went we uh, so my my dad for about 20 years um more than that actually probably now um, he and his boss did, did like a company trip to either Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland to play golf basically every year, um, in the summer. And I've had the opportunity to go three times now. Um, 
once when I graduated high school, once when I graduated college, and then once more recently when I can actually afford it. <laughs> so, um, and, and they were all super fun. And I forget which trip it was, um, but we did the Guinness tour. Um, and um, what's the other one? Jameson? Is that the one? Yeah. And the Jameson tour. And we, we did those kind of touristy things. And then we went up to Northern Ireland, played golf, which was amazing. Uh, really cool trip. No, that's awesome. I did that. Uh, I always tell people, if you're going to Ireland, do the Jameson tour. But if you can, get down to um, Middleton and do the tour there. So that's mm. in in Cork. Okay. And uh, it's it's a much bigger facility. It's a, you know, it's cool. a big, longer tour and all that stuff. For For your next trip, I'll send you some links. Yep. Nope. I'll just have to go back. That's too bad. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, I've, I've heard good things about the tour in Dublin. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. I mean, any, any excuse I can get to, to go back, um, you know, and, and hang out and play golf and, um, you know, yeah, all those, all those, um, distillery tours were so fun. We did a couple, uh, scotch tours like Springbank. Springbank was, it's a really small thing, but, um, those, those smaller independent ones, they like, I feel like, especially they see a bunch of Americans come in. They're they're like, "All right, we're gonna get these guys drunk." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, try everything, you know. And then obviously, you end up spending a ton of money, and you buy the oldest bottle they have for sale, and it's a mess. Yeah, that's exactly right. But you know, I, I agree with you. The smaller ones give a better sense of of it too. Like when I've taken people to the big ones, and then the small ones, it's always the small one that stands out, even though they never heard of it before. You know, yep. the big facility. Oh, I know. At least I know that that brand or that company, but that's the small ones, the more kind of bespoke or, you know, more handmade or a little more artisanal that people are like, wow, I didn't know that's what went into it. And that sort of resonates, I think, with people more. Well, and that's a great tie into micro brands and, you know, all the stuff that, that we do, right? I mean, that's, I think that's, I think that's why people like uh, Vortec and, and all these other micro brands and, and shows like Wind Up where it's just like, you know, you can speak directly to me, the CEO standing behind this little six foot table with a bunch of watches on it at a, an event. So, um, if, if I was just a watch consumer, that's where I'd go too. So, so give us, give us the sort of background, you know, I, you've told, I think the story a few times with so people, I think maybe know the general gaunt contours, but we want to just sort of revisit it a little bit. How, how did, how did Vorta come about? How, where does the name come from? How did you get sort of to where you guys are today? And then give us a chance to sort of look forward into some of your next, uh, you know, your next endeavors. Totally. So Vortec is like Vortex and TikTok. I usually say a, a beautiful clash of old and new, cause that's how I've kind of redone it to, to fit what we do now. Um, but the, the reason it's called Vortec is because Tyler, my business partner and I, um, had the idea on a golf course back in, I don't know, 2011 or something like that. Um, after we were, we were both studying at Penn state at the time. And we became friends, started playing golf. And we had a bunch of ideas on the golf course that day about adjustable watches, you know, and things that a watch that you could wear while you play golf, that's like not too loose, not too tight. And just kind of had all these, these separate ideas on how we can make a watch that, that fits well. And we filed for a couple patents on some of the ideas we had on the golf course, you know, over the next year or so we entered some business plan competitions and, you know, invented some different types of like micro adjustment type watches. And that was all kind of cool, but it was, it was, it was basically just a college project at that time. And we had no idea how to make anything 
that we were working on. We were 3D printing stuff and they were just crazy ideas. And then um, towards about the time I graduated school, we we started talking about like, hey, you know, be kind of fun to actually like start a watch company, like do this stuff that we were messing around with in college. And um, I got a great job with Walmart in logistics after I graduated from from Penn State. I studied industrial engineering and, and logistics and supply chain was kind of my focus. And so working for the world's largest retailer was like just the coolest job. And they, they that job took me out to Colorado, specifically Loveland, Colorado, where there's a huge Walmart distribution center. Um, and now funny enough, a massive, I think the largest Amazon distribution center in the country is, is right down here too. And um, anyway, they, um, they put me there. Tyler was, was in Philly at the time and he came out to visit me and was just like, man, like I don't really like my job in Philly. It'd be fun to kind of mess around with this watch stuff we were talking about. What do you think? And I was like, well, I bought a house. I got an extra room. You know, it, it wouldn't cost a whole lot to just kind of like see what happens. We could put our business plan out there. Um, we started talking about Kickstarter. We're like, ah, oh, this, this, I mean, at that point, Kickstarter has been around for four or five years. So like it wasn't, it was becoming a little more well-known and um, we were like, okay, let's take that, that Vortec concept and put it on Kickstarter, but let's do that other idea we had, which was taking a pocket watch and turning it into a wristwatch. Cause kind of fast, like throughout the, I mean, that was years of kind of like talking about it and stuff. But at one point we had someone say like, Hey, if you're going to start a watch company, like try to start with something that's like easier to make than all those other crazy ideas you had. Um, and and then we were just really passionate about American made. And we were like, okay, if we're going to make a watch, let's make it in the USA. And we went down the rabbit hole of like, how do you make a watch in America? And that rabbit hole took us to the history of what we call the great American watch companies like Hamilton and Illinois and Elgin and Waltham. And those companies made millions and millions. I mean, literally hundreds of millions of pocket watches in America between 1850 and 1950. And most people didn't know, and most people don't know today, but back then we were the Switzerland of the world. We were making the best watches in the world. They were all made basically from Boston to Chicago. And um, we we learned all that from this guy who ran, ran a pawn shop or a jewelry store or something like that. And we realized if like no one's making, even today, nobody really makes movements in the US. And there was, we couldn't find anyone to make a movement for us or with us in America. But if we use those old pocket watch movements that were basically being thrown away for the gold and silver of the case, we could make as engineers and, you know, just really thinking about it, it's like we could probably figure out how to make the case and the crown and these other bigger metal parts. Like there are places in America that make that stuff. And so we're like, okay, um, that's the plan. Let's use the guts of the pocket watch. Let's make everything else as much as we can made in USA. And we'll put the most American made watch possible on Kickstarter and see if people like it. That was November 17, 2014. And since that day, we've sold every watch we've ever made. And I continue to knock on wood and thank God, <laughs> because like we had no idea what we were getting into. We had no idea how freaking hard it was going to be. Um, and if you told me how hard it was going to be, I probably wouldn't do it again. Um, but gosh, has it been just this amazing learning experience and, and Tyler and I have come so, so far, um, 
and you know looking around it's like look what we built like today we have 8500 square feet of manufacturing we own this building um we're in a beautiful place with uh, there's 10 of us here myself tyler and our eight employees um and we're making basically all of this all these watches in colorado now so it's uh when you fast forward through all the BS in the middle, it's pretty fun. <laughs> and at this time next year, you'll be celebrating 10 years, I guess. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to just, uh, for the sake of listeners and I'll kind of hold this up. You mentioned the fact that we were the, you know, the Switzerland, we, the United States, we're sort of the Switzerland of, of the watch world, you know, in the Victorian era up until, like you said, basically, you know, around the time of the war and that, that, preeminence was kind of major, but eventually began to wane. This book, have you come across this? We've talked about this on the pod before, Greg. This is Disrupting Time from Aaron Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron's Aaron's a great guy. I've connected with him a few times and uh, I have one of those on my nightstand. I I think I'm probably halfway through a really, really good book. Um, and honestly, one of the few books that even tells that story, there's not a whole lot out there. And I remember talking to him about that. I think I had reached out to him at some point and was like, "Hey, this is an amazing story." I mean, the way he writes as an academic and the book is comes across like that, right? I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's it's not an easy read, but it would be a pretty good um, fictionalized history, or what's the word like a, a, a to write some kind of historical fiction around it. But it's it's an amazing story, and I think if you've ever run across the story of F. A. Jones, basically the guy behind IWC. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially that's, you know, that story writ large, but anyway, you, uh, you've kind of given us some background and, you know, we can talk about or not talk about, I mean, I think most people, if you pay attention and you're really into the hobby and the geekiness and, you know, you're reading the blogs and the fora and listening to the podcast, most people probably already know the story of, you know, uh, uh, Hamilton V Vornick and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know if that's the name of the case, but it is, you, yeah, you, you got it. Yeah, you you prevailed in that, which is amazing, um, and you know a, a fantastic thing is, you know, f- can you give us just the the elevator pitch for people? Not the elevator pitch, but the you know how about the two minute story of sure. of what happened there? Because I mean that seems to me to be one of the biggest um, obstacles or hurdles that I've ever heard of a small business encountering and then successfully you know uh, dealing with it, prevailing. Totally. Yep. So, um, so yeah, the, the lawsuit was called Hamilton v. Vortic. And, um, if you Google that, you can read, I mean, it was a federal lawsuit in the U S in the Southern district of New York. It's all public knowledge. And so, um, you can even read all the words I said in the courtroom in front of the federal judge, if you wanted to, it takes a little while to find it on the federal website, but, um, you can also go to vorticwatches.com slash victory. Uh, because we built a whole page around that with a bunch of a uh, diff- bunch of different stuff. I- I'm I'm filming a docu series around it, just kind of documenting the story, and writing my own book about it because I don't think that it's it, like I, I don't think it happens often that the uh, David in the David and Goliath actually wins and um, still has a voice and can share the story, and so um, I don't want to just feel grateful for that. I want to hopefully give back and maybe prevent another entrepreneur like me from getting sued <laughs> by the largest company in the <laughs> industry. Um, but yeah, the two minute. Um, so and this is hard because it's six years of lawsuit. 
But um, Vortec Watch Company takes antique American pocket watches and turns them into one-of-a-kind wristwatches. Everything on the inside of a Vortec Watch is roughly 100 years old. The dial, the hands, and the movement are from the guts of a pocket watch that was made by one of those great American companies like Hamilton or Elgin or Waltham or Illinois roughly 100 years ago. That means that the front, the dial of a Vortec Watch says... Elgin, Illinois, Waltham, Hamilton, etc. right there front and center on the dial. We engrave Vortec on the back of the watch. And that's kind of the point. That's the entire premise of the brand. We are upcycling little pieces of American history and preserving them on your wrist. And because it's because our watches said and still say Hamilton, some of them, we call them the Lancaster, but some of our watches have an old Hamilton pocket watch inside. And Hamilton, the brand, the trademark of the word Hamilton as it pertains to watches is owned by the Swatch Group because uh, the original Hamilton watch company went out of business in 1969, was dormant for a little while, and the trademark was purchased by a holding company that became the Swatch Group in 1972. Since we don't own that trademark, they do. And our watches that we're making here in Colorado say Hamilton on the dial. Hamilton, aka the Swatch Group, accused us of using their name to make money. Legally, what that looks like is trademark infringement and counterfeiting. They accused us of infringing on their trademark using their name to make money. And they accused us of putting the name on the dial, counterfeiting. And basically, again, trying to piggyback on all the fame of the Hamilton brand. The reason we had to defend ourselves is because if it were to be illegal to take a Hamilton pocket watch and turn it into a wristwatch, it would then inferred be illegal to take an Elgin pocket watch and turn it into a wristwatch. Waltham, Illinois, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, eradicating our entire business model. And so... I call the book currently, we're trying to figure out how to, again, how to distill all this kind of in, and make it, make it more interesting and not just legalese. Um, but I call it upcycling the American dream because to me, this huge company was coming in and trying to kill our dream and take everything that we've built and we've been working on for years. Um, and they wouldn't let us get a word in edgewise and explain ourselves. Um, and it was all about upcycling. And this, this story in that case is now referred to in many similar cases. Um, and people are studying and learning about Hamilton B. Vortec in law books and in law classes now because it became much bigger than a pocket watch turned into a wristwatch. We defended the art of upcycling and taking something that's not worth very much and turning it into something that's worth a lot. Um, because we won that set precedent for anything similar, you know, um, and there's tons and tons of examples of, of other things that can happen now. Um, but yeah, obviously way over two minutes, but that's as pretty much short as I can make it. Sorry. No, I think <laughs> that's an interesting thing. And I, the observation as somebody, you know, I'm a, a business person myself, I mean, or which is to say, you know, business school and, and marketing. And I think you'd mentioned having kind of that, that fascination with what an amazing missed opportunity for the Swatch group. Like, I mean, if I, from the, the jaded part of me would 
thinks along these lines. If I could manufacture this crisis yeah. from their point of view, I would rattle the saber, you know, essentially start the process and then ride in as the white knight, have somebody, some figurehead, somebody with the last name that begins with an H and rhymes with kayak. <laughs> Show up in Colorado and say, you know what? Actually, my the scales have fallen from my eyes. This is an amazing thing. What a great thing for the heritage of watchmaking. You know, what a great way for our brand to, you know, be sort of uh, uh, reinvigorated. And, you know, this is great. And drop everything and make, you know, have it, the whole thing be, a, you know, a big, almost like a big show. Uh, I can't believe they didn't do that. I mean, what an incredible missed opportunity from on the part of Swatch Group. My door's open. <laughs> they can come on in anytime. So the question is who 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 plays RT Custer in the uh in the Hamilton V Vordic movie? <laughs> yeah. Um obviously I don't want to speculate on that. I, I you know I think it's John Krasinski. Um, that'd be cool. I would Well there's the tie in, right? Yeah, yeah. That would be that'd be super cool. And yeah, we do have that we do have that connection. But yeah, it's um like I said, I, I, I feel called to, um, to write the book mostly to document that story. Um, and you know, obviously every podcast I'm on, I get asked about it. Um, it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. It was, uh, um, it was an MBA and a PhD all in one across six years in, in not just business, but also, um, the law, you know, and not just trademark law, but all kinds of, Basically, it was a very difficult conversation between myself and a couple C levels at Swatch that lasted six years, and um, it could have been six months, like you said, um, but it wasn't. You know, and uh, there was at least three or four times where we almost went out of business and we almost lost everything, um, and I almost lost everything. Like I you know, it wasn't certainly just about me. Like it's the company, it's our brand. It's all these great American brands that we were like protecting. It was the art of upcycling, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but my name's on all of our legal documents. My name's on all of our loans. I personal guarantee like every single piece of debt that we have. And so if shit hit the fan for us, they were taking all my stuff. <laughs> so, um, I feel you know, a little like, bit dirty wearing an Omega to the wrist check today. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's funny you say that. And it's, um, and it's fine. I, I hold nothing against Swatch in any way. I was just in the Swatch boutique in uh, New York city on times square, which is an amazing experience. If you ever there, um, go buy a Swatch, you know, in, in times square, it's just kind of like a bucket list thing. Super fun. I bought a couple for my kids. Um, the Swatch is, is such, when you talk about business, like such a really good example of how to build brands, how to build a conglomerate. I mean, you know, Hayek knows what the Hayek family knows what they're doing. <laughs> right. So, um, a ton of respect for, for everything that they've built. And then obviously a massive amount of respect for, for Hamilton and that original brand and original company. Um, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I, I say Lancaster the right way, <laughs> right? Like when when we were when we were having all those conversations, I was just like, like my dad lives in Hamilton Park. You can walk from my dad's home to the Hamilton factory. Like I, I, I couldn't find a new way to say like, I don't understand why this is still a conversation. Like, how do we, you know, how do we just make this right? Because I never wanted to do anything wrong. 
And I was a kid when it started. I mean, I was in my early 20s, you know, and, and Tyler and I had just finished school. Like, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into from a legal standpoint, from a business standpoint, from any of this stuff. So a lot of it, you know, like it wasn't bravery <laughs> that we're like, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to take on this giant, this Goliath. Um, it was, and it wasn't stupidity. It was like somewhere in between, right? Like you just have no idea uh, what you're up against. And, um, and a lot of it boils down to like, just trying to do the right thing, you know? And, and, and we talk about respect and integrity and empathy, like all the time as, as core values of myself and our company and, and, all the stuff that we make and just doing what you say you're going to do. Um, but like, you know, somebody asked me at one point, like if we don't do this, who is going to, you know, so many people, I mean, hundreds of people send us their family heirloom, their, you know, grandpa's pocket watch every year to turn into wristwatch. And we're the only game in town for that kind of thing. So, you know, it's a small part of the watch industry, but um, it's, it's kind of cool that, now it's it's in the rear view. Yeah, I can imagine. The in the rear view part is the key there. Yep. Yep. So wait, you mentioned you say Lancaster the right way. How do you say the word water? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not that far east in Pennsylvania. I say water. Um <laughs> you gave him, you gave him the funny, you gave him the water test, I get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 the water test. And I, the only reason I know, I mean, in, obviously going to Penn State, we had a ton of people from Philly and Jersey and yeah, it's like, what are you saying? Water. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yep. So, Matt, you had a fun question. You had a fun question lined up on the um, on the Jack Ryan stuff. Well, I did. In fact, I, I mentioned John Krasinski sort of advisedly. So, I mean, I'm curious. I'm I'm not wrong, am I? That is a Vortic watch on the Mike November character in the most recent uh, installment of Jack Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I can try to give you the two minutes on that too. Yeah. So, absolutely. Do it. Um, so long time ago, I mean, years ago, this idea of product placement kind of came into my head and I met this gentleman uh, named Mark uh, here in town in Fort Collins and he did and does product placement. And it's like, you can send him your products and he'll try to get them on TV or, um, you know, in, in the movies or, um, you know, just wherever, wherever possible, all kinds of products, all kinds of things. And, um, we've for years were like, you know, and, and almost like part of a business plan for a watch company or a product company at this point is like, who's a famous person that you would like, you would want to be a brand ambassador, you know, and you like put that on your vision board or your business plan of like, this is the kind of person that we want to be associated with. And, you know, it's like, well, it's like the rock, right? It's like the, like having a big Vortec watch on the rock, like a big, cool American guy. Right. And then, um, and then Joe Rogan, it's like, okay, cool. This guy talks about American made likes watches, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so we, we, we had thought about that a little bit. Um, and then we got really lucky one time with, um, Kevin O'Leary. So Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful for Shark Tank has one of our watches. Um, he got it as a gift and then talked about it on this YouTube video that now has like 3 million views. And so we get tons of referral traffic from like, oh, this is the watch that Kevin wore on that one video. Um, and so we knew it worked and that was just kind of an accident. But then I started working with this guy, Mark, to like pitch Vortec watches for movies. And 
you know, it's one of those things where it has a really long tail on it. Like you, you, you pitch yourself for a movie, obviously like that's in the pre-production phase and then it takes years to film and produce a movie before you even see a clip from it. Um, and so it's this like really long, like risk of a marketing thing. Um, but we were approached, um, before they started filming season three of Jack Ryan, um, because they needed to watch for Mike November, um, which is Michael Kelly, the actor who is probably most famous. I don't know if this was his biggest role, but, um, he played Doug Stamper in House of Cards. If you ever watched House of Cards, one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite like characters in any show is Doug Stamper. Like so cool. And so we got the email. I was, I recognized the, the actor right away. I was like, yep, let's get one. Um, let's send one of our military editions. We actually sent my personal watch from at that point. And, um, and so we were on Mike November in season three of Jack Ryan. And then I got the coolest email I've ever gotten in my life. The prop master, which is how it all works. You work with the, the prop master or the prop person for all of these things. Prop master emails us and he's like, hey, uh, Michael Kelly loves his watch. He's He just loves it so much. He's going to wear it for season four again. Like, thank you so much. As long as it's okay to keep it, that's great. We want to do that. Um, and can you make us another one for John? Because John Krasinski wants one too and is super jealous and loves it. Quick tie-in to the last story. Yeah. Do you guys know what brand John Krasinski was wearing in season one, two, and three? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a, a Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing a Hamilton. I don't know what model, but he was wearing a Hamilton in season one, two, and three. So, And I knew that. <laughs> and um, so obviously, the answer to that question was yes. We were like, absolutely. Like, So we made, it's called the, the Military Edition 3rd Edition from 2021 is what John Krasinski is wearing in season four of Jack Ryan took his Hamilton off, put a ironically Hamilton pocket watch on his wrist. So poetic. Uh, It's just, you can't make this stuff up, right? Like it's just crazy. Um, and, and so he's wearing the military edition by Vortec, the third edition from 2021 in season four. Um, and then Michael Kelly is wearing, um, the first edition, uh, from, from the military edition as well also in season four and we have all kinds of clips of them and pictures of them wearing them and stuff like that. And we sent them, they sent, so cool thing you, you, they send all those watches back. So we have the watch that John Krasinski wore on TV, like in our safe right now. So it's just kind of this fun, like conversation piece for us right now. Um, and then we sent them both the actors, we sent the, the actors a gift of one of our fourth edition military watches. And so I'll probably cool. send them one of the new GCTs when we finish them for Colorado watches. So cool. Um, but yeah, I remember I've never, watching talk uh, to John Krasinski, but I, I've talked to Michael Kelly and like, they've always been so kind and like, they were stoked. Like they, they're like, these watches are the coolest thing ever. So that's rad. I love his character on that show. Um, so good. yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. I would, I would be every bit as, as happy having that dude. I mean, obviously John Krasinski is a, a big deal in, in bold face letters. So very cool. And, uh, I was about to say when I, saw that thing on screen, like the first time you get an image of the wrist, I was like, holy, wait, what is that? You know, I was like, <laughs> yep. ah, oh man, I know I've seen this before. Yeah. And it's like, I'm blowing it up and I'm like, oh dude, he's wearing a Vortec. I'll bet a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, we, 
Tyler and I did, we, we do a YouTube show, um, once a month where we, we, we love the term, um, or the concept of document don't create, right? So we're just documenting everything we do here. We call it custom wolf building a watch company and we're just documenting all the stuff we do. And so we did an episode about that and, and the watch that we made for John Trusinski and oh, cool. that episode came out years ago and we were like, we had just sent it off or something like that. And, um, someone must have a, a reporter, a journalist of some kind found that video, um, went deep on it. And then they wrote an article on this, like, you know, you know, one of those Hollywood, uh, things that said like, what watch is John Krasinski wearing in Jack Ryan? And then, um, and then gear patrol picked it up and gear patrol did an in-depth story on it. And so now if you Google John Krasinski watch, or John Krasinski watched Jack Ryan, stuff like that. Um, the gear patrol story about Vortec comes, comes up first. Um, and we get tons of referral traffic from that. Um, obviously gear patrol is a great outlet to get featured in already. So that was really awesome for credibility wise, but then they link out to the video, they link out to all the resources. I said, I, you know, they asked me for comment and pictures and stuff like that too. So that was cool. Um, and, and yeah, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons we're selling out of these watches so fast is people are just freaking out. They're like, they want John Krasinski's watch now. <laughs> so that's an interesting segue too, right? So like we've gone from sort of, we've seen this, you know, little startup, right? She, you know, overcome these great odds and sort of this legal case. Now at this point, you know, hard to keep inventory. So you've seen the success. How does that lead into the Colorado watch company? And, and what exactly is that? What are people looking for as you embark on this next part of your your watch journey. Yeah. So, um, the premise of Vortec watch company, you just take like one step back when we started in 2014, the premise was how do we make a hundred percent of a watch in the USA? 100% made in America. Only way to do that was to use the old pocket watches. And so that's, that's where this idea came from now. And since then we've focused a lot more on the fact that we're taking a pocket watch and turning to wristwatch stories about people sending us their grandfather's pocket watch, military pocket watches made for Jack Ryan and made from pocket watches flown in world war two. You know, we're much more about the American history story than the American made story. And American made is just, you know, a qualifier, right? People get, um, a lot of, I think we get a lot of credibility from the fact that it's like, oh, this is a really cool story. They're one of a kind. And oh, they're also American made. Awesome. Like we're checking that box. Um, when we launched, well, to finish the Vortex story in 2020 and 2021, when the watch industry just blew up worldwide, um, we couldn't make them fast enough. We made hundreds of, of Vortec watches and pocket watch conversions across those couple of years. And we were, we were selling out in literally like seconds, like every, we, we were doing a watch a day. You couldn't have um, foreseen that. Right. And, and, and yeah, no idea that was coming obviously, but at, at, we tried to spool up and gear up as much as we can. And across those years, we, we kind of hit a cap and we were like, okay, like we, I think one, one year, I forget which year, but we made about 400 watches in one year. That was a lot. It was really difficult. Wheels were kind of coming off the bus, you know, if, if that analogy makes sense from a, a manufacturing standpoint, which it's very difficult to do what we do at scale. And so in like 2021, Tyler and I sat down, we're like, okay, let's just 
Let's make as many as we can, but let's focus on quality. Let's make the best damn pocket watch conversion in the world. If we're going to do this, let's do it the right way. Um, and, and we, let's do quality over quantity. I think 300 or so watches a year is about the sweet spot. Um, and so we just capped it. And so, and we've actually gone down like this year, we probably made 250 maybe total. Um, but our average price is almost three times what it was when we started because the watches are just amazing. And like, we're using the best quality, everything to do this. And so there's a couple of problems with that. You know, now we have all, we have this infrastructure, we have this great team, you know, we, we have the capacity in this building with our machines and our team to make thousands of watches a year. But if we're only going to make about 300 in our Vortec brand, we either had to downsize um, and just do that and make the best damn pocket watches in the world and only make a few hundred of them, or we could add something else and do something else. And so um, we came up with Colorado Watch Company and the point of Colorado Watch Company, the premise is how do we make as much of the watch in America as possible? but keep the starting price around $1,000 and make a watch that's still heirloom quality that's going to last forever, that can keep up with literally anything you want to do in the state of Colorado, as it should, given the name Colorado Watch Company. And so that's what we put on Kickstarter uh, this year in October. And um, yeah, where we put a $250,000 goal on that. Our, our first Kickstarter back in 2014, by the way, our goal was 10000 uh, we raised like 40,000 we thought that was a ton of money. We were like 22, you know, no idea. Um, so our, our Kickstarter this year for Colorado watches, um, we set a goal of 250,000, which several people told me was like risky. I was, I didn't think much of it. I was like, but if we got, if we're going to do it, like we got to raise a bunch of money, like we got to, in order to get a price point around a thousand dollars for high quality watch, like we got to sell a lot of them, you know, we got to really do this right. And so that was just, that was just like the minimum amount of like, if we can't sell a couple hundred watches in 30 days, like, I don't know if we should even do this. And again, long story short, we're in, we rose, raised, raised $350,000 in 30 days. Um, which again, just feel very grateful, uh, to everyone that helped us on Kickstarter. Um, and now we're, now we're in the production phase, we're making them, but, um, we have a, a field watch that on Kickstarter was 995 and a, we call it the GCT, which is a replica or an homage of our military edition. Um, and that was uh, 1295 on Kickstarter. And they are 87% American by cost, which is the most American made watch at scale today. What's the, um, <clears throat> what are you guys making in-house? Where's the movement coming from? Can you give us sort of the rundown of, of how, you know, that 87% per, you know, by cost per se, but just give us the rundown of where things are coming from. Cause it's yep. a, it's a fascinating story. It's great. Totally. So, um, it's easier to say what's not American than it is to say, you know, so the 13%. So, um, what makes up the 13% is the gaskets. So the crystal gaskets front and back, we have a crystal on both sides, uh, the little gaskets that hold the crystals in on both sides. Those are not, uh, made in USA. The, um, the O-rings, other forms of gaskets that are inside the crown to make water resistant, basically all the water resistant creation materials, uh, gaskets and O-rings, those are not made in America. Um, and they just typically aren't those types of, of things just really aren't made here, unfortunately, not to say they can't be, but they currently aren't. Um, 
The front crystal on the GCT is a domed sapphire. We've, we were able to find flat sapphire, but we couldn't find domed sapphire. So on the GCT specifically, that, that front crystal um, is made overseas. And I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, the hands. The hands are not made in America. Um, it, you'd be surprised. We, we'd spend a whole podcast talking about how they make hands. It's fascinating. Um, and hands are just not made in America. Again, at scale. We, we, we have to add at scale to a lot of these things. Like anyone can make a set of hands. Making a thousand of the same thing. Not that does not happen here. And then the movement components. So all the components that make up the movement are are not made in USA. Those are that's the 13% by cost that's not American in a Colorado watch. All the other parts, dial, case, all the metal parts, buckle, uh, the rubber straps that we're having made in Minnesota, those are all American. And then the movement is assembled in Arizona. And the movement is a new thing. It's it's called the Americron. And it's assembled in Arizona by a company called FTS or Fine Timepiece Solutions. Um, Fine Timepiece Solutions uh, was started by Kunal, uh, Gary, um, and MJ. And and they they basically have similar ideals to us of just like if it can be made here, it should. And if you want to make a movement in America best way to start is to figure out how to assemble it here first. And then over time, you can start to make more and more components in America. They started also with a quartz movement and they have a, they have a truly American made quartz movement. They call it AmeriQuartz. Um, a lot of people don't know about them because they're fairly new. I mean, like a five-year-old company and they're really the only game in town. If you want to an American movement at scale, you know, and it, I should say I'm quote unquote American, right? It's American assembled. The movement is. And the movement um, was designed in America, but produced by Titan in India. Um, and and Kunal has some really cool connections um, to the uh, Indian company of, of Titan, which is owned by Tata, um, one of the largest companies in the world. And so, uh, you know, there's some really cool stuff being made in India like iPhones now, <laughs> um, that, you know, you, most people typically associate with made in China. Um, but you know, India is, is just a better place to make some of these things and has a little bit more regulations. It seems like things like that. So most of the components for the movement are coming from, from India. And I, I say Asia because a lot of those things like the crystal gaskets and stuff like that, we don't really know. Um, and it then, probably uh, varies, you know, and, and, over and, time, and, yeah. you know, yep. um, somebody and they who's, have multiple... who's fulfilling an order might get it from a Malaysian supplier exactly, and somebody exactly. from Thailand. Yep. And they have multiple suppliers. So like if it's this rotor, it's coming from here. If it's this rotor, it's coming from there. And, and they are really transparent, just like us, like on our Kickstarter campaign, I have little like call outs on like, here's exactly where we make everything. Um, and we, we wanted to be ridiculously transparent. And I went to them with that. And I said, like, I want to be as transparent as possible. And they were like, here you go. Here's everything. Here's what to say, um, which is awesome because the Swiss don't do that. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, Matt, we've had conversations know. back channel on that about how, you know, opaque, yeah. you know, they, that yep. some, some people can be. Yeah. And then um, and yeah, don't get me started on like, you know, what the definition of made in America is versus made in Switzerland. but. Um, 
but yeah, so we we decided to use them because, like I said, they're the only game in town. They're American assembled. Um, it's called uh, Fine Time Peace Solutions, and they also do tours of their workshop just like we do tours of ours. So um, I encourage people to do the research and check them out. Um, and I mean, we we have about a hundred movements in the shop already. We've been testing them like crazy. We've been testing our prototypes, um, and they're awesome. I mean, their their quality is is amazing. Their customer service is fantastic. Um, we're really excited to to use these movements, and I mean, we're we're gonna get a pretty good statistical test out here when we ship these uh, three hundred watches from Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the website now. I mean, the watches to me are very handsome. I, I tell me if I'm right here. It looks like the the non GCT version, so the field watch. You have one variant that looks like it's either you know a DLC or some kind of. Uh, you know, a, a, a coated black case yep. with, yeah. I mean that, that dial has a little bit of like the code de Genève kind of a, yep. We call them, um, Colorado stripes, Colorado stripes. Yep. So we we're making the dials on all these watches, um, which is really hard to do. Um, and we thought it would be easier just like all this stuff. Honestly, guys, <laughs> like we thought all this stuff would be easier. Um, but yeah, really proud of of how all of these dials turned out. But this this dial on the field watch is is my favorite. It's it's kind of hard. I, mean, I have so, a, a pretty good lighting in here, but if I can catch the light on on the dial, you can see those stripes, really pronounced stripes on the dial. Um, but for the field watch, we have um, I guess four different dial variants because we have two different logo variants. Um, and then we have we have stripes, and then we also did. Is it kind of looks like, um, it kind of looks like we made this with a rose engine. I mean, it's, you can almost see that, but um, we're doing this really cool um, pattern on the dial by basically taking the 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 end mill on the CNC machine and dragging it across the dial, so it's almost like skipping on the dial. And that's, that's how you make a lot of this stuff. Um, and so we, we, we're having a lot of fun basically with some of the inspiration from the old pocket watch companies and the old ways that they used to make stuff. I mean, they used Rose engines, they made things one at a time they did a lot of hand engravings a hundred years ago. Now it's like, okay, how do we make something that kind of looks like that? But how do we make a hundred of them or a thousand of them at the same time? And we got to use our big machines and we're going to make 10 or 20 of them at, in one sitting. Otherwise, it's cost prohibitive. Um, and the the stuff that this is all Tyler. I mean, Tyler's like a wizard, you know, over here with our, our engineer. You know, they're just kind of messing around on these machines. And they they like pre- periodically bring stuff into the into the watchmaking room over here, um, in, you know, in, into our, our kind of break room and just say like, Hey guys, check it out. Let me know what you think. You know, I think we can make another one of these. <laughs> We're not exactly sure how we made this. Um, and we've had some really cool stuff coming, coming out of, out of this process. And that's just the field watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say the, um, I, again, I don't know if I have the, the terminology right, but the G C T variant basically looks like a scaled down version of the majority of the formats that you put on yeah, you know the pocket watch conversions under the Vortic brand. Yep. I had no idea really how wearable this would be in terms of you know the this is a relatively large right. I mean you know visually, but also in terms of mass. 
this is a, a large crown. And I, I thought looking at this, like, okay, this is going to be weird. Um, it, it's massively better on wrist than something mm-hmm. like a big pilot. Yep. You know, in terms of having a similar, cause I mean, that's also a large crown, right. Or the, you know, the, uh, the crown protector, I think is what they, you know, the, they call it on the, on the Panerai. Um, but some, you know, big, almost like carbuncle-ish looking, you know, mm-hmm. appendage on the side of the case. Cause that's just kind of how everybody does it, but not having it there makes this watch to me where very much, and this is, you know, I'm holding up the, um, and again, help me. It's the Springfield. I want to say Illinois cause that's what it says on the dial, but the Springfield, this yep. is a, this is physically a large object, but when you put it on the wrist, I mean, it, it wears like, you know, Illuminor 44, which is to say, I mean, it's a, a fairly big watch, but it wears well and it does not look or feel weird on wrist. Um, for, yeah, and, for, and that's, well, I was oh, just going to say, I mean, for reference, I mean, Michael Kelly, it looks great on his wrist. That is not a big dude. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how big, um, Michael Kelly is, but like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm six foot two, but like, I'm not like a huge guy. Um, I have very normal wrists and I wear our biggest 49 millimeter, uh, watch that he's wearing every day. And it does not look out of place and it does not feel uncomfortable. Um, and we've sold, this is our military edition, you know, that, that I'm wearing, uh, that's kind of my go-to, um, and all of our military edition watches are, are 49 millimeters. And we have, I don't know, 200, 250 customers now that, that have this um, and have gotten the same kind of compliments from it. Mostly, I mean, the reason the crown has to be that big on all of these Vortec watches is because the setting mechanism, um, it's called the sleeve, was actually built into the pocket watch case. And so we had to replicate that and reverse engineer how you set and wind an old pocket watch and build it into our casing system. Um, And we either had to make a big case and make the case wide enough to fit all those little parts in there or keep the case as small on the movement as possible and put a big crown on it. And we went with big crown because we wanted the case to feel like this little picture frame around the movement dial and hands, um, which it does, right? So the, your your movement and your dial fill the entire watch when you look at it from the front and the back. And that was a design choice that we made. And, you know, some people are like, why is the crown so big? And they kind of talk themselves out of it. But to your point, like it's up there at 12 o'clock, it's really not hitting anything, you know, it's out of the way. Um, and by doing that, I can keep the watch, like the watch that you're holding, Matt, is 45 millimeters, but I get comments left and right all day, every day, this feels like a 43 or 44 at best, especially if it wasn't so thick, they are a little thick, but like, again, it's a pocket watch turned into wristwatch. We're really pushing the limits of these machines to get this material, you know, tight around these things. Um, and that's, you know, to your point when you hold up, so I have my, my 49 millimeter military edition by Vortec. And then I have the new GCT, which is a 42 millimeter we put the crown at 12 o'clock, but this is basically the GCT is an homage of your military edition. Um, and we, we left the crown at 12 o'clock because of that. Um, but this one is a screw down crown. Um, and because we can make a screw down crown on these modern watches, I mean, it's, it's this watch, this 42 millimeter GCT feels, I would say, and most people would agree with, with this. Most people that have tried on these prototypes, it feels smaller than the 40 millimeter field watch. 
when people put them on because it's just i mean the the field watch you know it has a crown guard on it it's kind of hard to see on the black i guess but um it has the crown guard on it that sticks out at three o'clock like a normal crown um the gc or the gct is a little bit thicker um than the field watch but like i don't know i don't know if it's because it's like an homage of of like our most famous product or what but this was the most the gct was the most popular watch we've made to date and um our Kickstarter customers are very excited <laughs> for this one. And so are we. Yeah. Well, that was essentially my point was that GCT watch retains that 12 o'clock crown, which I think probably not having the watch in hand probably would really enhance the wearability, you know, and it's a, Huge. it's a cool visual like design feature that carries across. Anyway, Greg, I know I've been kind of hogging the, the questions. No, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask, you know, sort of, and you just touched on it too, the success of the Kickstarter, but obviously a successful Kickstarter. What's, uh, what's next? Like what, what's, what, when did some of these, uh, one of the early backers expect, when do you expect to get them on their wrist and, and, and what do you foresee in the next, you know, six, 12 months? Yep. So we firmly believe in under promise and over deliver. And the promise that we made was April and May for our first backers to receive their watches. Um, realistically we'll be shipping, um, our Kickstarter orders through April, May, June, July timeframe. Um, and so I, I, I typically say, and I've said to our Kickstarter backers, we're going to start shipping in April and May. And then obviously it's going to take us a little while to kind of catch up. I mean, we've, we've never made, typically we make 300 watches a year. We're about to try to make 300 watches in like a month or two. And so, um, it's different. They're modern. It's in theory easier, but there's a lot of stuff like making dials that we haven't done before at scale. And so, um, that's the plan. And then, like I said, we have a YouTube show. And so once a month we talk about everything that we're working on. And so, um, the people that backed us on Kickstarter and the general public will get monthly updates of here's what we're working on. Here's what we're doing. Here's some behind the scenes video, all the cool stuff they're working on. And then, um, we have one surprise left for our Kickstarter backers, um, that, really almost no one knows about and we're making one fairly significant change um that no one is going to be disappointed in <laughs> everyone's going to be excited about um and that might hold us up a little bit and so we're just kind of waiting for for some of those suppliers to come through and 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 give us some final uh final deadlines um but yeah that's the plan we'll we'll know kind of like how firm that plan can stay by, I would say mid to end of February. Um, just because there's certain, certain milestones we need to hit. And then, um, we're not accepting pre-orders right now. We stopped with like, we accepted pre-orders and Kickstarter. That's the only way to get Colorado watch company watches. We have coloradowatchcompany.com. You can go sign up for the email list and like, you know, see all this stuff come to fruition. And then you can be one of the first to, to order it when it's available. But we decided, because we're making a couple changes, we're getting a lot of feedback and ideas from our Kickstarter backers, which is really the point of Kickstarter. Um, we only want to sell final product. So until I'm holding the actual final thing that you can buy, um, I don't want to sell it to you. And so they will probably, you'll probably be able to order one if you didn't get one on Kickstarter next summer is what I'm saying for now. Perfect. It's right around the corner, really. Yeah. And for us, especially that time's going to fly. So, um, you know, it's, uh, 
it's it's fun and in the meantime we're still doing all kinds of really cool stuff with with vortex so um it's not like there's nothing to buy yeah of course <laughs> of course uh matt i have a couple like quick quick fire questions maybe before we start to to wrap things up is that okay with you yeah do it up um all right rt do you like your booze neat or in a cocktail you know i've been going neat more often than not one big cube is kind of my go-to I'd agree with that. Um, and I, I sensed it earlier too, when we were talking about the hot toddy and, you know, over at old elk, sometimes you just want it in a different presentation, but if you're making me choose, I'm going to go neat as well. Yeah. Uh, best place to enjoy uh, a drink or a beverage. Like what's your, you had to pick one place. It's the perfect place to, uh, to enjoy, you know, your perfect, your perfect drink. Um, on a patio in the sunshine. Day drinking, sun, yeah, it's like you can't argue with that. Happy hour, yep. happy hour, the golden hour. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite Pennsylvania beer, favorite Colorado beer, Yinling. Ah, there you go. Yep, America's oldest brewery. Have to go with that. And Colorado beer, I really like Odell. Have you guys ever had Odell? No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, it's a smaller. I mean, everybody knows New Belgium here, and they were they were literally couple hundred yards that way still are fort collins um, right next to new belgium here is um odell brewery and they are fairly large at this point they're being distributed much outside of colorado um but going back to your previous question they have the most amazing outdoor patio and like experience that they're like very dog friendly like you just go you could hang out at odell's like all day people love it there so yeah that's my favorite favorite colorado distillery Ooh, Laws whiskey. Have you had Laws? Ooh, okay, yeah. So Laws is like a square bottle. They're distributed all around the country. A little bit harder to find, a little more expensive. Um, but even their like entry level one is just so smooth, so good. And they're, um, I can't remember if they're in Denver or like Golden, but the Denver area is where Laws is. Definitely going to have to check that out. Who's... um? highly recommend who's the the leopold brothers right is that the that are yeah that's David what i was thinking of. of they're in denver as well it's client yep yep yeah and we we did um uh, lauren my assistant and i did a, an event in uh, chicago called one of a kind and that was that was our best it's usually our best trade show of the year it's um open to the public um amazing little like like arts and craft fair, but like high end and like Christmas focused. It's always the first week of December in Chicago at the merchandise mart. And, um, we brought Vortex entire in, uh, inventory, um, had a really cool display. And then we brought five different, um, Colorado whiskeys for people to like sip on as, as they checked out our watches. And, um, we had laws, um, old elk, which is here in Fort Collins, Stranahan's, Stranahan's. Um, when does the, um, when did they, they do a special winter release every year, right? Is that hitting right about now? Yes. Yep. I forget what they call it besides just winter release, but yeah, you're right. They do some really cool stuff. Um, the Breckenridge distillery, that one's so smooth. If you haven't had that super good. And that one's a little more widely distributed. Um, and then tin, tin cup, the old fashioned or the, the old go-to, um, I love tin cup. It's really good, but, um, they're huge now. There's a lot up there in Colorado, isn't there? I mean, you, we talk about all the distilleries and then I've, the, I was wondering actually for beer, if you were going to say left hand, but, uh, now I'm going to have to go and do some research on this stuff. 
there's seriously, I think at least 30 breweries just in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, I, there's hundreds of breweries in Colorado. I mean, you, you like, you can get yourself in trouble really fast, especially with the altitude, <laughs> you know, come here and, and, and do, there's a really cool, I want to say it's in the spring. Um, there's a like whiskey festival in Estes park, which is like the entrance to Rocky mountain national park. Um, I want to say it's yeah, February, March, something like that. Um, and they have obviously all the Colorado distilleries are all in one place. It's super, super fun. And then there's a beer fest in Denver that I'm sure is fun. I've never checked it out, but um, yeah, too many options here for things. And made my last alcohol. question before I see if Matt wants to to chime in anything. Uh, are you an Eagles fan? No, no. Um, you know, I people make fun of me because I call I call it sports ball. Like I don't, I don't have the time or mental energy to pay attention to professional sports. Um, it's not that I don't care. I think it's cool. I love going to games, I, I, especially if it's in person. I'm, I'm an experienced person. So like if it's not like right here in front, even even virtual stuff like this is kind of hard for me. Um, I don't know if it's ADHD or what, but like I want to be there in an immersive experience. I think it's why I love like doing distillery tours and brewery tours and stuff like that. Like I'll go to a baseball game. I'll go to a football game. I went to like, when I was at Penn state, I went to the Penn state games. If I do care about any football, it's Penn state football. Um, I'll always watch a Penn state football game. That's fun. Um, but I don't follow along. I don't pay attention to really any sports, even golf. And I, I play golf. So, uh, well, I'll tell you, there's not much more an immersive experience than Beaver stadium on a Saturday in the fall. You got about a hundred thousand of your closest friends. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is a bucket list for, and that's, and, and maybe that's just it. Like I I've done some really cool stuff that people have on their bucket list, like been at a whiteout game at Penn state in the student section, you know, and that I had that when I was 19. So it's like, okay, cool. What's, what, what's better than that <laughs> when it comes to football? I don't really know. Um, so, and then I, if, if I were to be a, a Philadelphia sports fan, it would be the Phillies. There you go. Um, because my, um, my mom was a, a diehard Phillies fan. And you had the uh, Reading Phils. And we had the Reading Phillies right there. You get dollar dogs. Dollar dog that was night. fun. That was super fun. Um, good question though. Definitely. I don't think even if, even if I was from Philly, I would resonate with, with Eagles fans. Um, we're an, a, we're an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no offense in any way. Believe me, none uh -huh. taken. What what uh, what do the shirts always say? Nobody likes us, and we don't care. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I'll hang I'll hang out with Eagles fan. I'll hang out with Steelers fans. You know, that's it's it's fun. But I'm more of a spectator of like I'm here to people watch, not even watch football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's awesome, man. I personally, I don't have any additional questions. I mean, I feel like, you know, I, I definitely wanted to inquire directly from the horse's mouth about the, uh, the Mike November character. I, I would love to find out if you, through any back channels that you can put out there, what does Mike November stand for? Cause that's, I think, you know, for in, in the fan overse for, you know, the Jack Ryan things is pretty well accepted that that's not the character's real name that it's literally the initials mn hmm. and you know what are we what are we thinking that stands for and i'm curious if anybody ever opens up to you if you could if 
get that back to us. That's my my fan ask for you. But uh, dude, it's been yeah. it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. Um, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen and continue to happen with Colorado Watch Company. But really, more than anything else, is I. I feel very grateful to have this revelation on Vordic. I have followed Vordic for several years, um, you know, followed the lawsuit, you know, and all of that stuff. And I just thought that the watches, frankly, were probably um, an awesome curiosity, but maybe a little too niche for me. And it's going to be really hard to send this one back, dude. I, <laughs> I, I feel like, oh, wait, this has way more mainstream appeal. I would, I would wear the thing backward. You know, just, just movement out. I don't, I don't need to know what time it is. It's so, it's such a pretty object. So congratulations to you and your partner and everybody there. It's, it's a phenomenal project, a product and a phenomenal company. Neat story. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I keep saying if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. And, uh, it is fun. I'll tell you what, it's super fun and it's different every day. And, um, it's, it's, uh, almost reignites the fun every time I get to share the story. So like I said, I'm happy to be here. Happy I can get to share. Next cool, up for man. round two, we'll, uh, we'll circle back and, and follow the progress of uh, Colorado watch company and the release. So we're looking forward to it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And at that point I can, I can give you an update on the next phase of the Jack Ryan thing. Cause there's some cool stuff that I can't talk about. Ah, but, there you uh, go. You know, roughly a year from now they'll, you'll know, you'll, you'll, you'll see it and uh, it'll be, it'll be exciting to talk about at that point. Um, and we'll have lots of stuff to share about Colorado too. So cool, man. Well, that's fantastic. Let's a pleasure. Yeah. Let's have that be the last sip guys. Here's to you. Cheers. Cheers guys. Thank you. Salute. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.